Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is co-host Arzu. Hello! So last week we talked about episodes 19 and 20, both weekly adventure episodes with the added benefit of Jacob Carter showing up, which is always nice. And today we're going to be talking about episodes 21 and 22, 1969 and Out of Mind, which will be finishing up season two. Ooh. 1969 premiered on March 5th, 1989, was written by Brad Wright and directed by Charles Carell. Out of Mind premiered on March 12th, 1989, was written by Jonathan Glasner and directed by Martin Wood. 1969 is my mom's favorite episode. And I have a little message from her. I asked her if she wanted to say anything. So mom says, when they brought clothes to wear to fit in, it took me back to that era. Teal's hair was perfect. The colored glasses were a nice touch. The jargon was pretty much spot on. It was mainly teenagers and college age kids who spoke like that. I loved the painted bus and the hippies in it. I like Alex Sahara and all of his roles. I was impressed with the, young, with the actor that played the young Hammond. He looked like him and had his mannerisms. The whole storyline was different from their normal shows, and it was a nice break. It was interesting to see how the team tried to not upset the timeline while working on a way to get back to their time. I can't believe that Hammond kept that secret all those years. I asked her if she dressed like that, <laughs> and she said, I wouldn't say I dressed like that. Probably a milder version. I was a hippie wannabe, but was a bit conservative. But she did have bell bottoms, so. Well, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Arza, you want to give us a summary of these two episodes? Yes. So 1969 is great. They end up back in time in 1969 at the what will be the SG-1 base. They meet a baby General Hammond who has a note from his future self to help them. So the whole thing is them kind of fish out of watering in the in 1969 trying to find their way home. Mm-hmm. And what's the other one called? Out of Mind is very trippy. It's a clip show in part. Not as much of a clip show as politics was. I don't even remember. Because politics in the end of season one was like 80% of the show was clips. And it was not that bad in this one. I feel like SG-1 just runs out of money by the end of the season and they're like, we gotta do a clip show. We we only have enough (laughs) to keep them on set for like three days. But they only had like 10 minutes worth of clips. It really wasn't that bad. It just, like... It was jarring when it first happened. I was like, okay, I get it. A memory and then another memory and then another memory. And then I'm just like, this is a straight up clip show. So it's a clip show because I'm going to say her name wrong again. Hathor? Yeah. Hathor is back. Woo. That bitch. Um, <laughs> Harsh. Should have really seen it coming when, when the memory focused on her that severely. But... They started asking a lot of suspicious questions. But yeah. It's a ploy. It's not the future. It's not a clip show. It's Hathor. <laughs> well, speaking of her, so the actress that plays her, Swan Braun, she is a leap year baby. Okay. And since it's not a leap year, she said she celebrates her birthday on both February 28th and March 1st. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> so she just celebrated her birthday because as of recording, it's March 2nd. So. so happy birthday. Yeah. Okay, let's do our quote reveal. Last week I gave you the quote, 
You know, this looks suspiciously like the butt end of a Titan missile. And your guess was that Jack is talking about something they found half buried in the ground that looks like a missile. The context was a bit off, but your guess about Jack was completely right. So Nobody else on this team would say butt end like that. <laughs> I mean Nobody Hammond else. might. Hammond might. But... Because <laughs> I feel like Jack and Hammond kind of talk similar sometimes. Those Americans, am I right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Those American white men. <laughs> All right. So, because of a solar flare, SG-1 does not go on their mission. They go back in time to 1969. <clears throat> nice. Um... <laughs> I'm disappointed in Michael Shanks as a Canadian for not making a Summer of 69 joke. Which is a Brian Adams song. Oh, very disappointed. Yeah, but maybe it was too obvious. I don't know. He was like too concerned with showing off his language skills to like be thinking about music with his questionable <laughs> accent. <laughs> like, Daniel, come on. <laughs> yeah, I actually so have a thought about that, but I can talk about that when we get there. Okay, so well for. Right off the bat, I'm like, if y'all are in danger of gravitational space-time warping by going to this particular planet at this particular time of year, why not just go somewhere else? Or go tomorrow. <laughs> right? Or like, go, like, next month or something, you know? They really wanted to go back to the 60s. <laughs> well it just makes me think that like in the future they're not going to take that risk and be like okay we you know we can't if the path is going to go within like two hundred fifty thousand feet of the sun or less like we're not going to do it we'll just wait a month you know yeah. <laughs> unless you're like specifically trying to go back in time but even then you can't predict the solar flares so it should be a shot in the dark yeah because you wouldn't even know what time you'd be sent back to you don't know if there's going to be anybody there to help you. Right. And um, so Hammond knows exactly what's about to happen. <laughs> and uh, is still cryptic as hell. <laughs> this is this is what was interesting to me. Because they, they go back. And young Hammond is there. And he's like, this is a note in my handwriting. And they're like, well, you must have known. And that's why you sent it with us. Which, okay. But I find time travel in media fascinating. Because it doesn't work the same, like in any show right so like i kept thinking of the show timeless which i might have talked about before on this show but i don't remember which does involve you know time travel and one episode in the second season has the team going back to the 80s where they bump into like their future commanding officer mm -hmm. as like a young woman and they save her from dying and all of this and they have to like prove to her that they're from the future and that she is the reason they work as a team but she has no memory of them until mm -hmm. after they come back because the timeline skews mm -hmm. right so up until the point where they go back that hadn't happened mm -hmm. so like their timeline is like a like it branches off right I, I guess stargate is suggesting that time is a circle right and there is only ever one sequence of events right yeah this is not the mcu style of time oh travel. god i can't deal with the <laughs> multiverse i can't deal with the multiverse yeah, whenever there's time travel in Stargate, it's very straightforward. It doesn't branch off time, new timelines and 
and whatnot. It's very straightforward. Okay. Actually, I appreciate how tidy this yeah. is. I don't think. Yeah, the, it is very like clean, easy to I follow. My brain had the like like timeless <laughs> is very easy to follow. If anybody's listening and is now curious to watch the show, it is very easy to follow. Like when they branch into a new timeline, that is the only true timeline now. Like they're not mm. going to go into another one and play around. But okay, well that's change. not too bad. Like it's just that this becomes the new reality, and if you happen to be out of sync with your timeline, you'll remember the old events. But if you weren't, everybody's memory changes. So okay. It's, it's very easy to follow, but I all this to yeah. say that I appreciate how tidy this was. Well, so the timeless is a little bit more complicated than Stargate, but still not, not nearly, nearly as complicated, as complicated as MCU. MCU. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So yeah, only tidy time travel in Stargate. <laughs> I like when they went right back in time, like, and they mm-hmm. were standing under the butt end of the Titan missile. And they're like, <laughs> 20 seconds to launch, and they're trying to call for help, and yeah. that's not working, and Tilt's not moving. He's just standing under the jet. <laughs> Daniel does what I would do, which is go in the corner and make a ball of yourself. Yeah. But both Sam and Jack just kind of put their palms against the wall and their foreheads. And they're just like both standing there like that. And I'm like, does the military teach you that? That doesn't seem like it helps. It's better than nothing. It's be- But like Daniel is making a concentrated effort. Like I can't believe I'm complimenting Daniel Jackson. He's like making a concentrated effort to keep as much of his body safe as possible. And it looks like it occurred to me after that, like, Sam and Jack look like they're just trying to protect their dog tag so that they'll be able to be identified <laughs> later. I mean, that's not dumb. It's not, but I'm like, where is your self-preservation? <laughs> where is where is Teal'c is like totally chill about it. Like he is so, shoot it. he's so shoot stoic it. in the face of danger. Like <laughs> just totally unbothered. I'm like, how did you know that would work? And he's like, I didn't. Well, what's what is funny to me is that. The, I don't know, general colonel or whatever who was in charge there was saying that they weren't actually going to fire a missile and that it was just like a test procedure. So, I mean, so Teal's Zat gun blast probably didn't do anything in the first place. But it makes me wonder if, like, even if it's not a real missile, if it was capable of like having flashing lights or something like that and Teal'c's shooting it like disabled it and so now like it really truly is like a prop with like no functionality and if they're like wait a minute <laughs> like why? I think it must do something like even just a flashing light or a little like steam yeah. or something like it's gotta do something yeah so it makes me wonder like how much like how fake is that missile in, in like the reality of Stargate world, you know, mm-hmm. like, is it actually a missile and they, but they weren't going to launch it or is it a fake missile that they were pretending to launch, you know? So I don't know. It just made me wonder if they're having to deal with the effects of Tilk shooting it <laughs> or <Yeah>. not. <laughs> Maybe they just had to switch it back on or something. They get put into a holding cell and a guy comes in and asks them if the Russian spies in Russian. And Daniel and- has no <laughs> self-preservation or survival skills and replies no in Russian. <laughs> With this satisfied <laughs> smile on his face. Like, I did it good. And everybody else is like, no. But to his credit, as soon as he saw everybody else's face, he realized immediately what he had done wrong. He's just, he's so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I speak 23 languages and not a single one of them has any common sense. <laughs> like, I, mean, I, get, I get that he's not a military guy, but like he must have seen a movie. 
he's too busy reading his books and like looking at his stone walls. Are he's too busy so... with the walls. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. He doesn't the have walls. time for these movies. Although he has obviously seen Star Wars because he even quotes it later. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah. So he has seen some movies. Just probably not very many. Okay, in the first Star Wars, they lie to break into an Imperial facility. So, Daniel, if that's the (laughs) only movie you've ever seen. (laughs) You should be better at this. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so, (laughs) right, speaking of Star Wars, so Jack gets questioned and starts by saying that he's James T. Kirk. I get why they don't believe him, because Star Trek is currently on the air. Yeah, because that was on the air starting with 65, right? No, I think it went up to, I think it was like 67 to 69. I'm going to check. I looked up uh, specifically for Kirk and it said whatever show that was started in 65. Oh, yeah. Six, yeah. 66 to 68. In any case, anyway, it's been on for they, a few they years. They know what Star Trek is. In any case. Yeah. It's just whether or not this particular guy ha- has watched it and if he knows the name James T. Kirk. But I feel like there was less in general, like media wise in the 60s. So like if you're watching something, chances are you're watching Star Trek. That's fair. Like you have like three things to pick from. Yeah. But then later Jack thinks he's being funny and he's like, actually, my name's not James T. Kirk. It's Luke Skywalker, which first of all, Jack do better. Second of all, (laughs) I don't know why this man, like the guy did the thing where they're like, I can't believe he's messing with me, but Luke Skywalker won't be a thing for another eight years. Uh So there's no reason for him to not, believe him except for the fact that jack sounds like he's being rude yeah well like like, skywalker is an unusual name too it's an unusual name but like it's not a name this guy would have heard right although i would love to see him like eight years from now taking his kid (laughs) to see star wars and just sitting up when luke skywalker goes wait a second (laughs) i've heard that name before (laughs) and just assumes that the character is like based off this guy that he interrogated once that went missing Suddenly the guy becomes the world's biggest Imperial stan. <laughs> I does, mean, maybe. It does beg the question, though, because it did get me thinking. This season is set in 1999. Yeah. The Phantom Venice is around the corner. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if this, if it works out, generally speaking, whenever the Stargate episode airs is when in time it is set. Because, like, in the next episode, Out of Mind, they specifically reference it being 1999. So we know that in canon, it is 1989. And it aired in March. Which means that Phantom Menace comes out in two months. I want to know what SG-1 thought about the movie. Right? (laughs) Did they like it? (laughs) Probably not. But, you know, they're not kids. But I'd like to think that Sam likes it. And Jack's, like, pretending he likes it because Sam likes it. Well, I was thinking more like Jack would pretending that he doesn't like it, but he secretly likes Jar Jar. <gasps> That's better. That's even better. And he doesn't want to admit that Jar Jar is his favorite character. <laughs> if anybody asks, he's like, he likes Qui-Gon and that's it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but like, where is like, where is all the Phantom Menace promo? Right. Like, where are the Taco Bell standees and the Mountain Dew vending machine? I mean, like, they're not really allowed any of that kind of stuff in the base. But they could, like, go out. 
and just pass by like a poster right of like (laughs) kfc and it's got like an (laughs) anakin skywalker poster right i don't know anyway i've hijacked this with star wars long enough we can uh, (laughs) that's okay now Okay, so they're getting transferred to another facility, so they use the opportunity, or young Hammond helps them use that as an opportunity to escape. And so I think this all works out really well. It's really cute meeting young Hammond, and like uh, Sam is like talking to him, and she's like, Oh, that's okay. Uh, well, she's like, I'm captain and that's okay lieutenant and she's like having so much fun (laughs) being a higher rank (laughs) she's really enjoying that it was it's just really cute i love it was (laughs) i love that they were like visiting like baby hammond Uh uh-huh little lieutenant hammond like okay he really nailed that role too that actor oh yeah like there were moments where i'm like you could tell me that this was a voiceover and i'd believe you right like, he did a really good job. Um, right as they're leaving Hammond, um, Jack asks him for some cash. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'll pay you back with interest. Yeah. Then when they get back to present day, I think he borrowed, like, what, 20 bucks from him? Something like that. Something like that. Like, enough for them to get clothes. But when they get back to present day, I just, the more money he borrows from Hammond, the funnier it is. Because when he gets back to present day, Hammond's like... With interest, you owe me five hundred and thirty-nine dollars and fifty cents over thirty years. That's not enough. I'm like, you need to adjust your interest rate. Like, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like Hammond, <laughs> you're getting ripped off here. Yeah. So when they're escaping, Jack uses a Zat gun to, with one shot, apparently unlocks a box. It does which what makes- you need it to do. Right? Like, I can see it unlocking something if it's, like, if it's a door mechanism that works on electricity. Yeah, yeah like in like in Star Wars, when you shoot the door panel, it either opens or closes the door, depending on what the plot demands. Right. Yeah. But this is just a box with, like, a normal lock on it. He broke and the lock with the gun. The energy of the Zat gun unlocked it. I just... <laughs> They travel through time, so we're suspending (laughs) our disbelief. I guess. And then, of course, they do the three shots to make it disappear, which is fine, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. It's just a lot of hand-waving. And so they go find a highway and go to hitchhike, and Jack makes Sam stick her thumb out to try to get a ride. I'm like, is that because she's a woman? It's because she thinks she's sexy. (laughs) because like it's like the it happened one night thing right like with the sexy leg and like the car stops and then clark gable comes out but she's wearing baggy fatigues Uh uh-huh she doesn't really have the claudette colbert leg going on Uh uh-huh but to jack she does right that's fair because he thinks she's sexy and he's like well who wouldn't stop for sam well i was the answer is nobody it's but. probably hard for anyone to get picked up when it looks like they're wearing some kind of military fatigues because in this day and age, like, ordinary people are not cool with the military, you know? Right, because it's <laughs> Vietnam days. Right. So, like, it's kind of not surprising that nobody stopped because maybe they just don't want anything to do with that. Yeah, but then Teal steps in front of a hippie bus and <laughs> yeah. they were nice enough to stop. 
Yeah, these two people are so cool, and they're just like, we would have stopped for you. <laughs> I hope that they're okay. I hope he came back from Vietnam. I'm kind of hoping that... Or they got away. That he, yeah, he dodged the yeah. draft. Either way. Either way. Either way. Yeah, he was yeah. so happy. I don't want I don't want war to beat that out of him. I hope they made it right? to Canada. Yeah. <laughs> for the war with Canada. For the war with Canada. <laughs> is like the war with Canada like yes <laughs> I know what that is well what's funny to me is that he's been reading up on like earth customs and like history and stuff like that so I bet like after this episode he he's like goes to research no like research the war with Canada and like doesn't find anything <laughs> and it's like guys what was the war about I can't he's find like, anything he's like we averted the war we changed history right <laughs> yeah. There's no more war. I thought it was cute the way the hippie man sees Teal'c like hesitating to get on his rainbow bus yeah. because it's a rainbow bus, but he thinks like he thinks it's something else. So he tells Teal'c like to ride up front with him because it's cool, man. Yeah. And I'm like, you're being such an ally right now. And it's completely lost on Teal'c. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Teal'c is unsure because of very different reasons than what yeah, you Teal'c's like, are. why is this car this color? And he's yeah. like, oh no, he thinks he has to sit at the back of the bus. Come up front, man. And I'm like, you're having two different conversations. Yep. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> also, note that this is when Teal'c learns how to drive. Yes. Does he drive Dang. a lot going forward? I don't think so, but I think feel like at some point there's a reference to like where he does drive and somebody's like how do you know how to drive and he's like oh daniel taught me in 1969 <laughs> i think it's cute though yeah learns how to drive they take them to get cheap clothes <laughs> yeah oh the clothes are amazing that's the best part of the episode they easily a couple things happening here one i like that um richard dean anderson clearly just said you're not putting me in those hippie clothes find something <laughs> else but Jacket and a leather jacket. but Well, the leather jacket and jeans, that was still in style then, too. I know, but I feel like it would have been funny to put him in hippie clothes. <laughs> but I'm very happy with what we got. Oh, yeah. He looked good. Like, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'm not strong enough for this, but... I feel like the worst outfit was Daniel's. It was just not doing it for me. I think everybody else looked cute, though. Yeah. Teal'c was fun. Like, the, the bandana probably would have been uh. enough. But they felt the need to give him a wig anyway. Um, <laughs> which I guess like, the bandana was to keep the hair out of his eyes. So I guess that's why they had to give him a wig. Yeah. And I liked what Sam was wearing. It was pretty chill. Yeah, it was cute. Daniel went to Spirit Halloween. It was very yellow. I, I, I'm just not like a big yellow clothes person. So yeah. it was just and not slicked hair wasn't working. Daniel's hair in these two episodes is just a roller coaster yeah i don't know why he felt the need to slick it back like that but you know he thought it looked cool and german i guess <sighs> i i don't know why he does anything <laughs> who knows why daniel jackson does the things he does <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to another star wars reference so so michael and jenny overhear them talking about the solar flares and so Jack's solution is to say that they're aliens <laughs> who who have a problem with the establishment of another planet. <laughs> and 
And um, and Daniel adds the from a galaxy far, far away line, proving that he has, in fact, seen Star Wars. Or maybe, I wonder if it's almost like he hasn't even seen Star Wars. He just knows the references. He's just seen a, he's just seen a poster. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he knows it because Jack knows it. Right. Because <laughs> Jack talks about it, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> and then Sam is in the background, like, I don't want any part of this. <laughs> like, I don't know what you guys are going out of that. <laughs> okay, so they go on their mission. They split up. Daniel and Sam go to talk to Catherine, which is really fun, getting to see yeah. young Catherine. And um, Teal'c and Jack go to a, I guess, break into an observatory to use his telescope. <laughs> there wasn't anybody there. I think they really lucked out, honestly. <laughs> it's the 60s nobody locks their door i guess so with sam and daniel going to see Catherine, daniel pretends to be german the son of Heinrich gruber i think who worked with her father Mm -hmm. and you love his accent here's the thing about his accent here's the thing i've noticed if you're not a native english speaker and you try to speak English, or you do speak English. You're not a native mm. English speaker, but you are speaking English. For the most part, people will go out of their way to try to sound like a native English speaker. Yeah. They'll add inflections that they, like like super American or super British inflections, even if mm. that's not the accent they have, because they're really trying to force a native English sound. Mm-hmm. Which is, which is like fine. That's just how people, that, that's a sign that you've learned the language. You're like repeating it the way you learned it. Daniel, with his German accent, is doing like a parody of a German accent. Right. Mine father and thine father. I'm like, right, this uh-huh. is a joke, Daniel. Which I understand because Daniel is not a native German speaker. He's a native English speaker. So he's like trying to sound German. Yeah. But winds up sounding like he's gone comedically too far. Right. And I get that it's supposed to sound funny to us, but I'm like, when all your 20, you could have learned 21 languages. Right. And learned how to do this properly. Well, like it should have been more like, okay, you can turn the THs into Ds and the, you know, Ws into Vs and things like that, but not have like wholesale words. Yeah. Like it's like when it's like in, in movies when people are doing like a French accent, it's like, I think it's the, how do you say? I'm like, nobody in France says that. No. Like, it's not a French thing at all. No. So it's like, it's stuff like that. Yeah, I they, realize I'm nitpicking. Yeah. Well, like, they don't know how to pronounce the TH sound. But other than that, like, their accents are not that ridiculous when they speak English. No, like, Daniel sounded like a cartoon bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and one thing I noticed that was interesting is I guess they're trying to be accurate for that time period that Catherine has a servant who is a person of color and she doesn't trust this servant, obviously, because she starts speaking German when she comes in the room. Catherine is racist. Yeah. Catherine would make Tilk sit at the back of the bus. Yeah, it's probably good that Tilk wasn't there. For this yeah, Catherine, would have, Catherine would have said a slur. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I love Catherine, she's not looking too great at this episode. I feel like this all could have been avoided and been like no she just doesn't trust people outside this room Mm -hmm. if the maid was like a white woman yeah for sure then it would have been fine yeah yeah it's like i don't know if they're like 
trying to make it accurate for 1969 saying that you know like a maid or whatever is like more likely to be a person of color and i'm like eh, you don't have to do that though I'm like but also <laughs> but also like there's we're suspending our disbelief in a lot of directions right now yeah. like the maid can be a white woman it's okay yeah yeah exactly like if we're having a zat gun unlock a box you can have a white maid. <laughs> yeah. Were you wanting to say something about Jack and Teal'c at the observatory? Nah. No? Okay. I got nothing to add. Well, they break into the, the observatory. They get out fine, too. <laughs> like, they get their information. They Yeah, they do the thing. Very coincident. I think it's very convenient that Jack knew enough about astronomy to be able to operate this huge telescope and he admits that he's never done any astronomy like stargazing on that scale before so i'm like it's really lucky he knew how to operate that thing doesn't he it, do stargazing at home yeah but with like a little telescope that's like two feet long he likes to look at the stars yeah but that doesn't necessarily translate to knowing how to operate that huge telescope that's like 10 or 15 feet long Daniel's got his languages. Jack has this. <laughs> but he said that he'd never used one before. Just being modest. <laughs> well, I was thinking, like, it would have been better for Sam to do it because she probably has actual experience with it. I was deprived of a Sam and Jack date in 1969. Right? I mean, Tilk did not need to go see Catherine. Obviously, no, because Tilk would have but, had a bad experience. But, but, like, Daniel could have done that on his own. He didn't need to have anybody with him. So it could have been Jack, Teal, and Sam. Daniel. I guess. They didn't trust him. I don't know. Rightly so. He'd be like, he's going to flirt with Catherine, forget about his wife, and, like, <laughs> scar her for life. They are the same generation. He's going to be his own grandpa or something. I don't know. Gross. <laughs> Oh, anyway, so they all get back together and they drive to the armory where the Stargate is. And it's so funny to me, Jack says, I'm pretty sure it's Jack who says, we can walk the rest of the way from here. I'm like, you were literally parked right outside the armory. Like, they could not have driven you closer. <laughs> so for you to say we can walk the rest of the way from here, like, Sam, Sam yeah. <laughs> Sam says we can walk the rest of the way. Oh, is it Sam? Because it was like a weirdly emotional beat when like they were explaining that the two of them just wanted to go to this concert. Like, I think mm -hmm. they were going to Woodstock. Um, Like the two of them just want to go to this concert before um he gets shipped out. Uh -huh. And Sam gets really upset because like the guys are trying to like tell them how to get out of it. And she's like, it's their decision to make. Right. And I'm like, I understand why she's upset. It's a young man full of life, full of happiness that they're about to ship out to like the middle of a war Sam knows is not going well. Yeah. And he's probably not coming back. But it was like so emotionally wrought when this was not the first time they'd mentioned the draft. It wasn't the first time any of this had come up. But it was the first time anybody was getting this upset about it. Because it was like facing reality finally. I know, but like then it doesn't come back up. So like, well, it just felt like a very strong. Why would it come back up though? It, it shouldn't, but it just felt like a very strong emotional beat that just like wasn't played out long enough. I thought. Yeah. Like it didn't evolve. I felt more like Sam was just trying to hurry them up because she knew they had a limited amount of time before the flare. 
Oh, okay. So I'm just reading too much into this. Yeah, I didn't see it, read it as like her being upset on Michael's behalf. I read it as more like her trying to make sure that they don't screw up the timeline by telling him what to do. Like he needs to make his own decision right. about what he's going to do. And also they need to get out of there. Right. So yeah, they go into the armory and the Stargate is conveniently stored upright. <laughs> Although I think it would have been fine if it was stored on its side because they could still dial it that way. It's just that it'd be a little bit more painful like falling through it. <laughs> it'd be very funny if they all like leapt into it and then just when you get to the other side of the Stargate, they just come shooting out of it feet first. <laughs> well, that happens sometimes when they, they, they have to enter it that way from the side and they come tumbling through. They're not tumbling, like just shooting through it. That would no, be very they never funny. they never do shooting through it. They just do tumbling through. Well, I'm disappointed to say the least. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's that asking a little bit too much of the stunt people. So they use car batteries to power the Stargate. And they're like revving the engines and it made me wonder, like, does that actually help? No. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, it's just like the battery is not going to have more power because you're revving the engine, right? Like, no, like the engine revs either because you're pressing the, I think because you're pressing the clutch, but not the gas in a standard car. Well, be the pressing the accelerator. But oh, right. The accelerator, but the, you're not in gear or you're in neutral and pressing the accelerator. Like the car right. isn't in gear that's when you rev it that's when the right. car or like if you take off like you really hit the accelerator and then the car kind of like revs for a second but then it dials back down it's just revving because it got suddenly got a lot of power but like revving it up doesn't actually do anything yeah that's what i was thinking i was like i don't understand the point of them revving the engines so i guess like they answered the question though that it takes two car batteries to power the stargate so two 1969 you know. car batteries, which actually <laughs> probably isn't all that much power. No, probably not. Energy efficient Stargate. We love to see it. But then again, those were like military trucks. So they okay, might have so had like larger batteries than normal. Like the equivalent of a 90s car then. <laughs> yeah. Probably. So they managed to get through the Stargate. And when they go through the other side, they apparently entered the Stargate too soon, which I feel like doesn't make any sense. I feel like it makes more sense that the wormhole opened a moment too soon. Yeah, because like Hammond didn't give them specific minutes. He just gave them like like milliseconds. He's just like, you know, hours there's like minutes. a sixty. There was like a sixty second window basically because it was like eight ten or something. Yeah. So it makes me think that because I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to me because like if they're they're not necessarily walking through the wormhole at exactly the same millisecond. Yeah. So if it was that precise, you would think that they would all end up in a different time. So I feel like it has to be that the wormhole was open slightly too soon. And so they all went through at slightly the wrong time. It also just seems like such a weird move because... Like, for the show, I mean. Because they get through to the other side, and Cassandra comes out. She's like an old woman now, for some reason, dressed like it's the 1800s. And 
she's like, oh, you know, you overshot it. And I knew you would because Sam told me when I got a little older. So I'm here to just make sure you get back. Yeah. And then they stand there for a minute. And then she uses her funky little watch and like sends them back to the proper time. Yeah. But it was such a weird move for them to like end up there for just this additional complication that lasts a grand total of maybe three minutes. Yeah, because it like sets up a lot of things that now have to happen in canon. Is that what they're doing? Are they just setting up future stories? I mean, it doesn't result in anything, but they kind of are like accidentally getting themselves into a bind because it's like, okay, by the time that Cassandra is 80 years old, the Stargate is apparently no longer in use. (laughs) Because, well, I mean, if we look at Stargate Infinity and how long (laughs) it goes there, I can see why they decommissioned the Stargate. Right. Because the gate room is filled with, like, relics covered in sheets. So it's, like, obviously Stargate is not being used. Well, I mean, I guess that's, like, a satisfactory ending in a way. Because by the time Cassandra is 80 years old, they have resolved this other planet alien problem such to the point that they no longer need the Stargate. And I think that's putting a lot of credit in the military for not continuing to expand out into the galaxy and taking over everything and putting an American flag on it. But... Putting that aside, I guess it's like a nice resolution. Like we're eventually going to get to the point where this isn't necessary. I don't, I guess I don't agree because I don't see why there would be a goal to stop eventually. Because part of, I mean, okay, sure, they wanted to defeat the Gwul, blah, blah, blah. But most of it is just going out to explore, meet new cultures, find new technologies, you know, all that kind of stuff. So what, by the time Cassandra is 80 years old, they've explored the entire galaxy and they're just done? Or they ruined Earth so thoroughly they just can't do it anymore. (laughs) I mean, Cassandra is dressed like it's the 1800s, so. I'm thinking maybe it's more likely that maybe Stargate Command has moved to a permanent off-world base and they have like ships that are like more advanced enough so that like people on earth don't need the stargate to travel around they just travel around in ships and stargate command operates elsewhere they just keep this one open on earth just in case like as a backup yeah that makes sense so i think that's much more plausible because just thinking of it as like the stargate just being decommissioned and just sitting there alone in the base just doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) Alternatively, SG whatever that's in Stargate Infinity just messed it up so bad. They're like, you know what? Nobody's going out anymore. Yeah. But if they were going, if they were going to say nobody is using the Stargate ever, either because somebody messed up or there's an enemy that they're trying to avoid being, you know, coming to Earth or whatever, then they would bury the gate. Right. But that's not what it is. It's just up as normal. Yeah, I guess off-world makes more sense then. Yeah. So, yeah, got to come up with like a fan fiction about what happens (laughs) Well, if we want, years. if you want fanfic ideas, I've got one about Sam the Hippie and Jack the Bad Boy. Oh, I don't have it, but if somebody wants to write it, I would. Read <laughs> you, it. you would read it. I would give it a kudos. There might be one. I'd have to look. Yeah, you have to check. I can't look. Yeah, I know. I you don't want to get spoilers. I'll have to look for you. Thank you. 
<laughs> but yeah, so Catherine is wearing like a nightgown. You know. 1800s nightgown. <laughs> which might be another reason the Stargate's locked up because society has so regressed. <laughs> well, I guess the way I saw it when I was younger was like, well, for one thing, like, why is she in her pajamas? But like, maybe... Like, she knew she had to be there on this particular day, and it was, like, in the middle of her bedtime. So she's just like, you know what? I'm just gonna, like, sleep and then set my alarm for the time I need to be up <laughs> and go send them back through the Stargate. And then I'm gonna go back to bed, and then I'll go home the next day. You know? I mean, smart. Because, <laughs> like, I don't know what was up with that dress. <laughs> it was hideous. It wasn't hideous. It was just weird. It didn't suit her. <laughs> I am impressed that Sam was able to recognize her. I'm like, it's been like at least 60 years of age. So that's impressive. Well, you know, that's her daughter. Well, no, it's Janet's daughter. Right. You keep forgetting keep forgetting. That. I keep forgetting that Sam didn't actually adopt her. <laughs> yeah. It's her niece. Kind of. Metaphorical niece. It counts. Yeah. Anything else from this episode? No. I liked it. Yeah. It was fun. You see why my mom likes it so much? It's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Out of Mind is the first of a two-parter that's ending this season on a cliffhanger, of course. So Jack, Sam, and Daniel each individually wake up in a cryogenic chamber, told that the rest of SG-1 is dead, and it is now 2077. Yay. <laughs> well, I was just impressed that they picked a year so much farther into the future because I feel like most shows that do this pick it like 20 or 30 years in the future and it makes the technology look that much more ridiculous because it's like it advanced way too far in 20 years to be plausible where this is 80 years. So it's like, okay, it makes sense that there might be cryogenic stuff in 80 years. I just really like, they, this isn't the only show that does this, but futuristic sci-fi always looks so, like, cheesy and over the top. Like, there's a lot yeah. of gold buttons and these, like, <laughs> angular patterns. And I'm like, they are really overestimating how committed we are as a race to fashion. Right. Like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there were no yoga pants. No, like, you know. Yeah, the standard like um fatigues and stuff are very minimalist so the new fatigues that were in this base were weirdly fancy they were like these really cool like off-white things like pajamas <laughs> almost with like a they look like something out of star wars but... well i feel like that was like the scientist uniform because there were other people who were like sg teams who were wearing the green Right, 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 right. I've but just got it was the white like a different style. Jack had that on. Yeah, and then the general had on a blue outfit, just like Hammond does, but it was also much fancier. Yeah, like there's a there's a logic to military uniforms now. Yeah, that I didn't really see present. Right, in the... right. I like that. Um, while they were asleep, somebody gave Daniel a haircut. <laughs> I didn't even notice it, honestly. But yeah, I'm like, I knew that he gets a haircut at some point, but this is in this episode. Yeah, like while he's asleep, somebody just cuts his hair. <laughs> yeah. Going back to the 
outfits though real quick so we find out this is all like hathor's secret base and she like minutely replicated as much of the sgc as she could thinking about it in terms of that it makes me wonder if like she knew what the outfits were supposed to look like but she thought they were ugly and so she decided to update them <laughs> given just hathor's general vibe that tracks that absolutely yeah. tracks She's like, look, I'll recreate the base. I think they're actually there, but these outfits are just not working for me. They need to be nicer. Yeah, I can. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> so right off the top, I think it's when Jack wakes up before he could even like form words because he's just woken up. Right when they wake Jack up, they tell him that SG-1 is dead. And I'm like, dude. He just woke up. Like, give him a minute before you tell him his closest friends are dead. Good morning. Everyone you love is dead. Anyway, can we put this chip in your head? Right? (laughs) Just like, you have no chill. Is there a psychologist around? Because they should be the ones having this conversation. Not the general who's like ready to traumatize you, apparently. (laughs) But it is really interesting thinking about how, okay, it's been almost 80 years, and so they have now gotten up to 28 SG teams on Earth and 10 off-world colonies. I'm like, okay, I can kind of see that happening in 80 years' time. So that's a reasonable assumption to make. What I want to know is, this is now just occurring to me, they're like, you're at the SGC, it's 2070 whatever, Uh which is right about when Cassandra would have let them in. Right. Why are they not asking more questions? You were just there. Right. Like, just there. Where's Cassandra? Where's Cassandra? Why does it look like this? Like, how are you going to pack it all up in the next, like, six months or whatever? Right. Ask more questions, guys. Well, I feel like the Cassandra thing would have been like 60 to 70 years in the future. This is almost 80 years in the future. So it's like, wait, so you decommissioned the Stargate and now you've reopened it again? Right. This would have been after. Mm-hmm. Well, even better. Ask mm-hmm. more questions. My question is, okay, this is almost 80 years in the future. Why have they not defeated the gold yet? They don't ask enough questions. Yeah, I feel like that's the most... very stupid. And, like, the person questioning Sam, like, accidentally mentions Apophis being alive. Sam's like, Apophis is alive? And they're like, no! No! Hypothetically! (laughs) Were you to encounter some Apophis-like being, (laughs) what would you do? (laughs) But it's just like... Like, they're not totally sure if Apophis is dead, but just in general. Like, why are the Gwold still alive? I would have been like, what? You haven't defeated them all by now? (laughs) I get that they're all a little disoriented. Yeah. But they're not trying hard enough. Yeah. Well, Sam especially was extra drugged, so. Yeah. she's the smartest one, so, you know. But, like, Jack, ask more questions. (laughs) I was wondering about, like, did they revealed too many secrets and i'm like well the gold already know about the asgard so i don't think there was really anything about them that they didn't already know but they 
these specific gold, at least, don't know about the Nox. So I guess Apophis didn't go around blabbing about the Nox. So that's nice, at least. Yeah, he kept that information to himself because I mean, they, they acted real now. surprised. <laughs> so that was interesting. I can't believe that of all the clips they were showing in the clip show, Daniel and his damn walls made the cut. <laughs> oh, you know. But you know what didn't make the cut in the important moments of Daniel's life? Huh. His wife? Yep. <laughs> He's like, my walls. <laughs> I need to make another meme for you with that caption. <laughs> <laughs> my walls? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. This is but a we... Daniel Jackson hate account. Sorry, we did have sorry. some really nice Sam and Jack moments. Yes, we did. Yes, Jack, we did. Jack finds Sam and wakes her up, and he is extremely close to her while she is basically naked. Not quite how I pictured this going down. Yeah. But I'll take but, it. Yeah, not mad about it. Not mad about it. Then <laughs> here's the thing. Because later, they're in the hallway, and they're both dressed. And they're like hiding. So they duck behind a wall because none of these people have depth perception. So they <laughs> duck behind a wall and they're like pressed together. Like yeah. her back is against his front and they're like, uh -huh. Shh. and he's like holding on to her. And I was like, oh my God, what if they kissed? And spoiler alert, they didn't. <laughs> but Ours they is very have. bad. <laughs> I'm so mad. I'm like, there was like holding and it was like very tender and it was very sweet. And he like, and like put his hand on her mouth to silence her listen she should have bitten him and then he'd be like what are you doing and then like grab her and then kiss her really angrily and can you tell that i read romance when i'm not watching sci-fi <laughs> we need more romance in sci-fi we need more romance in sci-fi i need sam and jack to kiss don't know what i'm gonna do if that ever does happen find a new Melt. mission i guess implode yeah, I'm not going to make it. Sorry. It'll just be me talking to myself on the podcast. <laughs> While I just sit here and weep. <laughs> yeah. I'll just narrate what you're doing, how your tears are flowing along. <laughs> yeah, I definitely thought of you watching this. I wish I could watch your reaction. If we ever, if we ever do get to a part where they kiss, I, I feel like it needs to be where we can watch it together and I can see your reaction. Just a live live <laughs> yeah. reaction. Yeah. I wanna I like do you know the willpower it takes every day not to Google whether that ever does happen? <laughs> Don't Google it. It just I can't believe I haven't Googled it thus far. Don't do it. Like before I started watching ER, I had my favorite character's entire plot point like plot line memorized. Cause I wanted to know. Like before, before I started watching it. Don't do it. Yeah. You can hold out. I believe in you. Thank you. Only eight more <laughs> seasons to go. Right. And there's Atlantis too. So, you know. Yeah, but I'm not invested in any of them. <laughs> yet. Well, but like Sam and Jack occasionally show up. So. <gasps> together? Holding hands? I'm not sure if they show up together. Together. Maybe once? Holding hands in love? Yes. That's a yes. Thank you. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. 
<laughs> so we finally get to see that Teal'c did make it back to the SGC. Mm-hmm. But apparently so injured that he was unconscious for three weeks. So I guess SG-1 was also unconscious for three weeks. Which means they're only one month away from the Phantom Menace. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you know, that would really help if you're like really excited to see a movie and you just can't wait. Like go into a cryogenic chamber for a month. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever been quite so excited for a movie that I needed to sleep for a month. <laughs> and then you have less time to wait when you wake up. That's why they did it, because Jack was that excited about Jar Jar Binks. He's like, look, I've already collected all the toys. It's like, I filled out my joint Taco Bell Pizza Hut. I don't remember what the third one was. KFC um, sticker sheet. and i got all the drinks i got all the soda cans (laughs) yeah honestly i think he would absolutely do all that and but hide it and he's just not telling anybody (laughs) yeah yeah he's just keeping a secret and then like one day in the future and like sam's at his place and like finds it and just like stares at it and he's like i can explain that (laughs) yeah (laughs) and she just thinks it's really cute Okay, no, but, like, not to spiral. But if his son were still alive, mm-hmm. that's probably exactly what his house would have looked like. Oh, for sure. Because then it'd be, like, an excuse. Like, oh, it's for my son. When really, secretly, he likes it, too. Like, his son doesn't actually care all that much. Yeah. <laughs> he just does it because it makes his dad happy. Right. <laughs> his dad's like, it's for my son. Meanwhile. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Trying to convince him to dress up like Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan for Halloween. He's like, Dad, no. Maybe... He goes and gets all that stuff and brings it to the Charlie who's with the Tokra now. <gasps> yes, he takes he takes little Tokra Charlie to see the Phantom Menace. Yeah, I'm sorry, I've derailed this episode completely. Okay. <laughs> These are some good head cannons. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Teal. Um, says that he is leaving the SGC so because Hammond is like we don't know anything about where the rest of SG-1 went so there's no reason to go after them because there's nothing to go after and so Teal was like okay I'm gonna go home to Chulak and do my own thing and so we'll find out the resolution to that in the opener for season 3 in two weeks yes and we'll have a much shorter turnaround this time. So hopefully you won't have forgotten what happened in this episode. <laughs> yeah. I did have a question about how Hathor turned invisible. Because I don't remember that ever being a thing before or after this. I don't have an answer for you because I had no idea. Yeah. It must. I wonder if it's like something that she has... And nobody else has it for some reason. Because she's I feel like that's special. Just... I mean, she does have her special breath thing. So maybe she also found some special piece of technology that nobody else has. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe she stole it from somebody. But I feel like the biggest downfall of every single gold base you've ever seen, like whether it be like a base or a spaceship, is that they have so many nooks and crannies to hide in. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm like, see, the SGC doesn't have that problem. They are straight corridors where you can see up and down the entire hallway. There's nothing to hide behind. See, they have all these nooks and crannies, but they treat it like they don't have nooks and crannies. So they only ever look down the corridor. Right. And I'm like, if you look around the corner, mm-hmm. everybody's just standing there. Right. <laughs> so so. You could hide an entire army in the nooks and crannies of a gold base. Because they don't look. <laughs> yeah. So, leaving on a cliffhanger. With a crooked looking snake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why do you think it's crooked looking? Because <laughs> its mouth doesn't open up and down, it opens side to side. I think it was just, it had its head turned. No, because it was like, it was a crooked snake. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was probably just a green stick, but you know. Snake. <laughs> Snake. <laughs> I like your comments. This last comment you have about Daniel. <laughs> I can't remember who said it. It was either Sam or Zach. They're like, Daniel, don't let her breathe on you. And I'm like, Daniel doesn't need her to breathe on him. He's already horny. <laughs> like, he's already gone. If you look at his face, I'm like, he just said hi. And he was like, my queen. Like, <laughs> gone. And he looks spiffier now with his haircut. Yeah, I, I like it. He got a nice little grown up. Oh my god. Hair. What if Hathor was like, I hated that long hair of his. <laughs> I'm gonna cut it. That's rude. I mean, she already spiffed up all the uniforms. Maybe she's the one who cut his hair or, like, told somebody to cut it. I mean, more likely he just got a haircut before they went on their last mission. Like, he just got a haircut. I don't know. I really like the idea of Hathor being like, that hair has got to (laughs) go. Hathor's like, it's been two seasons. I mean, too long. (laughs) And it's time for a new haircut. Yeah. She's like, you... Well, I guess she has the same haircut. Yeah, but she so, gets to have the same haircut. But. Yeah. <laughs> not Jack. Oh, there's not much you could do not with Jack. Jack's sorry, hair. I meant Daniel. Okay. Oh, like, Jack's just... hair is pretty short. There's not really, you can't really cut it that much more without shaving Shave. it. <laughs> All right. So, did you find anything problematic in these two episodes? I guess we talked about the servant, Catherine's servant already. Other than that, no. Do you think they hold up for a modern audience? I'd say so. Especially 1969. Yeah. Oh, any more final thoughts on these? Nope. Okay, so this is the end of season two. Do you have any comments to make about the season as a whole? I feel like the season as a whole kind of, not that it lost sight of the Apophis charade Mm -hmm. goal of it all, Mm -hmm. but I think um, because they're like, okay, this is going to be a long running show kind of gave itself a little more space to do other stuff. And I know that yep. I dragged Daniel a lot because of it and I won't stop. But um, <laughs> I think that helped it a little bit, like helped it breathe a little. Yeah. I mean, I think in general, like they more firmly have their feet on the ground in this season and like mm-hmm. know what they're doing because there weren't dud episodes like there were in season one. Cause like, you know, emancipation was obviously b- bad was and really like broken divide was kind of iffy, you know, so there wasn't so many problems in this season. Yeah. So I think it, I think it's like they just kind of like are going to continue to improve as they like, you know, get more experience under them. Yeah. 
All right, so top three episodes. Okay, in no particular order. I'm just going to go from uh-huh. most recent to oldest. Okay. 1969. Nice. Holiday. Uh-huh. It was body switch one, which I loved because everybody was doing impressions of <laughs> each other. Uh-huh. And Secrets, which is the one where we see Sheree again. Oh, um, okay. I missed her. So I liked seeing Sheree again. Not impressed with the way Daniel handled some of that, but <laughs> really the reason I like Secrets is because of the DC side of the plot. Oh, right. And now that yeah. I think about it, I'm like, how much of that just happened in my head? Um, <laughs> so it was prime Sam Jack shipping fodder, yeah. nonetheless. So those are my yeah. top three. Okay. Uh, my top three includes 1969 mm-hmm. and Thor's Chariot. That was one of my favorite growing up with Thor's ship coming out of the sky and everything. And I had a really hard time deciding between the fifth race and holiday. I think I'm going to go with holiday, but like special mention to fifth race. Okay. Because they're both really fun. So, yeah. Here we go. Honorable mention to fifth race. Do you want to give anybody an honorable mention? No. Okay. The rest were like, they were fun. I just, these were the three that really stood out to me. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. (laughs) Okay, so next week we're going to be taking a brief break from SG-1 to do four more episodes of Stargate Infinity. And there are ways to watch online. If you can't figure it out, please reach out to me on Twitter and let me know and I can help you find it. And then, so we'll be back in two weeks to talk about the first two episodes of season three, Into the Fire and Seth. And so, Arzu, I'm going to give you a quote from the season three opener to guess. Mm-hmm. What exactly did he mean by threading the needle? I'm going to say it's Sam talking about something Daniel told her and Jack. Okay. About some way to get out of their current predicament. Mm-hmm. Daniel's like, we got to thread the needle. Like something that makes sense to Daniel and nobody else. <laughs> and then he goes on and Sam's like, what? okay all right well that's it for today if you want to talk to us about stargate you can find us on our podcast twitter and tumblr page at wormhole waffles you can find me on twitter and tumblr at chelsea fairless arzu where can everyone find you so you can find me on twitter at arzu amin and at arzu d2 everywhere else you can find the geeky waffle on twitter at geeky underscore waffle we are the geeky waffle on facebook instagram tiktok and tumblr and we are also on YouTube, also at the Geeky Waffle, and at thegeekywaffle.com. And if you like listening to our show and want to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast, we would really appreciate that. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon. <laughs>